Hello, comic creators. Welcome back to the Commerce Connection podcast, where we talk to you about the intricacies of the business and creative side of being a comic creator and publisher. My name is Gamal Hennessy. The gentleman in the hat is Andy Schmidt. And Andy, we are going we are going to be going um, against the grain for this podcast. And I say that because most of the comic book news cycle, comic book media cycle, especially on the professional level, spends a lot of its time the same way a lot of you know business media does, talking about what's wrong, talking about the challenges in the industry, talking about the problems in the industry, talking about a lot of reasons why the industry is it's not very good to be a comic book creator or comic book publisher. And we on this channel have done significant amounts of the same thing. We've done a, we've done our fair share. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about the things that people should be looking out for, business, legal, financial, creative, that you know are might get in the way of their comics career. But I wanted to actually pull back today to kind of take the historical perspective that this is in fact the best time in the history of comics to be a comics creator. Um, now, the reason I say this is because if you look at the history of comics, and there's actually several books on um, the co- history of comic book industry in America. One is um, Demanding Respect by David Lopez, which is actually a very good book, but it talks a lot about the development of professional comic book industry from the time, basically from the time of the first Action Comics number one, first appearance of Superman in 1939, up until now. And if you really stop to think about it, there has really been no better time to be a comic book creator or a comic book publisher. Because if you think about the 1930s and 40s, the luminaries of the industry, whether you're talking about Eisner or Kirby or Lee or any of these other people, were so ashamed of being comic book creators, they wouldn't even say that they were a comic book creator when they were talking in professional circles because they wanted to be illustrators. They wanted to be magazine writers. They didn't even want to be associated with comics. In addition, they didn't own the comic books that they made and the opportunities for doing things on their own didn't exist. Once you got past you know, the 40s and 50s, where we had like, wars which made it hard to make comics um the 60s and 70s you had a lot of social stigma on top of everything else because you had incidents like seduction of the innocent and the comics code and a lot of the comic book publishers that were around had to go away because they couldn't fit underneath the code things didn't really start to change until the 80s when you had the growth of the direct market because keep in mind in the 30s 40s 50s and 60s and 70s, there was no direct market. So you didn't even have a comic book shop. You only had newsstands and that was your only outlet. So in the 80s, you had the direct market. In the 90s was when creator-owned comics really came into the fore in the United States with the rise of things, uh, companies like Image. And then in the 2000s, you had niche markets. You had more diverse talent that you could access because you had high-speed internet. You had more access to manga. And then in the 2010s, you had your 
mainstream success of comic book related media even more than it was in the past. You had the launch of things like Kickstarter, which opened up the crowdfunding market. You got chances to tell diverse stories, whether you're talking about YA books or the growth of independent publishers or the actual ability to do direct-to-consumer kind of sales, to do convention sales, to kind of source talent from all around the world and build a company basically off of your laptop. So now we have, there's a whole lot of things going on in the comic book industry that makes it difficult to have a career or succeed. Having said that, based on my three minute historical analysis, it's still better now than it was before because now you have, there are challenges that you have to overcome before there were no challenges you had to overcome because it simply wasn't an option. Does, does any of that long rant make sense? Yeah, that, that all makes really good sense. And you hit on, you hit on some really like, you know, some huge aspects of the history of comics, especially in North America. Um, you know, the book Seduction of the Innocent just changed and the subsequent congressional hearings on comics Hey kids, Congress used to talk about comics, but not very nice, not very nicely. Um, so like, and and uh, and by the way, like I feel so strongly that 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 those the that the history of that of those times be preserved. That um, I'm actually a producer on two documentaries that Ooh. you kind of hit on. One is called uh, Diagram for Delinquents, which is mm -hmm. all about seduction of the innocent and the congressional hearings and the fallout and the comic book code and all that just completely changed the face of comics in North America. And one of the things that it did, I don't know that this was necessarily a goal specifically, but a byproduct of all of that was basically it narrowed what comics could be mm -hmm. um, to the point of they basically had to be like very happy superhero comics, right? Yes. Like Adam West Batman type comics came like pretty mm -hmm. much just from that. Um, and then the other documentary I, I helped produce was called the image revolution which right. you know, the late 80s and and that documentary talks about the creation of image and creators rights and all that sort of stuff and and you know image has this really like fascinating place in the in the comic book history because overall like yeah those are all great things to 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 fight for but even image has struggled even within itself kind of fighting for some of those same things so it's really it's really pretty fascinating um to look at those but you know steps uh it's definitely a step in the right direction but <clears throat> you're right like in the way that i kind of look at it is it's kind of like uh it's kind of like we've like eisenhower has come in to the uh the comics industry and by that mm -hmm. i mean prior to eisenhower and the american highway system there were just sort of these old you know country roads to get from one place to whatever and it took forever. Mm -hmm. They were not easy. They were hard paths to take and it was easy to get lost or derailed or like it'll rain one night and mm -hmm. that's all it took to just flood out a road. And and that was your one path towards being a comic book creator. And now, yeah. you know, all those things that you were saying from creator-owned comics in general to crowdfunding to sort of special interest in niche markets, all of those things have 
just created more and more options and more and more roads to get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And and not everybody wants to go the same destination. It used to be that there was really only one destination. Like it was like you just you went to New York and that yes. was it. And you had to live there. Mm-hmm. Like there was no internet that was helping you like get work. So um, you know, everything that you said from that standpoint, I agree a hundred percent. There are so many different ways to be comic creators. There are so many different types of comic creators style of stuff that they produce diverse uh genre like the biography genre is really Mm -hmm. doing well right now um you know all kinds of stuff to and and a massive shift in readership uh just opening up lots of other age groups and and gender and all kinds of all kinds of stuff so from that standpoint uh it is so much easier because you don't have to conform Mm -hmm nearly as much <clears throat> that doesn't make it easy exactly it just makes it it just makes it easier and you can shift gears like one of the things as a publisher that that is tough as the markets tightened up a little bit recently is the ways that used to kind of make money aren't working as well right now mm-hmm. but back in 1950 if you were a comic book publisher you only had the one market that you had so there wasn't a whole lot you could do there. Whereas now, due to differences in printing presses and all kinds of stuff, you can do you can do limited runs on things and you can do collectors and maybe the collectors are still buying. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of, you can shift what you're doing, whether you're an independent creator or a publisher, you can sort of shift and be like, oh, okay, this, this was working pretty well for a while. It's not as much. Let me go, let me go see what's going on in crowdfunding. Maybe I should mm-hmm. do a little bit more crowdfunding right now. Or maybe I should do a little bit more variants or you know specials or maybe i should do more shows maybe being live and doing something more experiential is is working and so you 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 can sort of shift your focus and doesn't mean that you have to do entirely different comics it just Mm -hmm. means that you're you're figuring out you know where they're most wanted (laughs) at any given okay well then let me play devil's advocate for a moment because like we said in the 50s 60s 70s your book if you had a publishing company, you made that publishing company in New York, you got you had to print massive amounts of these things and you had to send them to newsstand. And if it didn't work, there were not a whole lot of options. Do you feel like though in 2024, comic creators have so many options of how they can get their books out, how they can make their books even developments in printing presses and printing options you can now in the 50s and 60s could you really get your comic books printed in korea and have them put on a boat and come over here to do that kind of thing but if there's so many options and the comic creator first and foremost is focusing on their art is there too much is there so many the proliferation of business options out there is that kind of overloading what people can or should be doing because you know there's so many things to choose from yeah i think so here are a couple of things that i see a lot with especially with sort of younger creators or newer creators to comics um sometimes you don't have to be young to be a newer creator to comics Mm -hmm. but i see i see some people that like do the research and they're like there's all these different ways to slice this there's all these different markets and i'm gonna hit them all in that way, I'm sure to get a thing. That is a monumental amount of work. Yes. To to try and do all of it, right? Um, and 
all of those markets aren't going to be big hits for you. They're not all going to be worth the amount of effort. And you're just going to, you're just going to run yourself to the, to the bone that way. <clears throat> so that's one of the things I see when I think folks, especially if they're doing that research would be better off going. I think these are my best two or three best shots. Mm-hmm. Let me try those and and I'll kind of hedge my best and I'll try and reduce my risk and, and how much I'm spending on things a bit. Let me try them and see if there's an audience here and then build build from there. And if it doesn't work, then, hey, maybe I should have tried this avenue and you try something else next time. Mm-hmm. Or you do that and it does work. And then next time you might add another one because at that point, it's not the, the two or three you did aren't totally new. Like you've had mm-hmm. some experience doing them, right? And you're, so you're building, but then maybe you expand one thing. So that type of approach that's more methodical, it takes longer, but it's also, it's more targeted, right? It's more strategic Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit more organic. The other thing I see people do is they don't do the research and they kind of, you know, they grew up, you know, whether they they read superhero comics into them, what we call the direct market, the hobby Mm -hmm. stores is is the market kind Mm -hmm. of in their head. Like I see that a lot, you know, or it's manga or it's it's YA or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that they grew up with. But they kind of have this sort of myopic tunnel vision sort of view. This is what I want to do. But then they're not looking at what they're producing mm-hmm. and really evaluating, is that the best uh, place for it? So those are kind of the ends of the the spectrum. So on the one hand, yeah, it can be totally overloading and it can be kind of crippling and you can you can tire yourself out to potentially not a whole lot of great effect. Um, you know, or people just don't, sometimes do the research, you know, or they don't know the right, a lot of times it's that they don't know the right questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And I think crowd, crowdfunding in and of itself is a perfect example of that because there are so many questions to ask about crowdfunding, yes. especially when you start to like, you, you know, you look at other campaigns and go, well, that campaign did this cool thing. I want to do that. I want to have, I want to have a set of pins. I want to have temporary tattoos. I want to have statues mm-hmm. and like all of those things are completely different products that you are likely going to completely different vendors for and it becomes this massive logistical nightmare and you got to factor in the cost and oh i forgot to factor in the cost of getting everything shipped to the fulfillment place Mm -hmm. first and you wind up you know like a rounding error on crowdfunding can wind up being consequential absolutely absolutely A, a lot of what we talk about when we're doing the live question and answer sessions or we're discussing things in discord for comics connection among the members is a lot of it boils down to helping them kind of sort through all the different options like we talk about well this is your these are the distribution channels that you have how do you figure out where your book fits in where your life fits into these things you can pick the ones that make the most sense we talk a lot about doing the market analysis for your book so you can understand, yes, this book makes more sense in direct market while that other book might be a more of a convention play so that you're not overloading yourself with research and trying to do too much, but you're not, you know, looking at just the whatever traditional model you grew up in and not realizing all the other options that are available in comics because the options are changing all the time. I mean, new publishers are popping up 
pretty much on a monthly basis. So if you're into creator own deals and that's what you want to do, you have to keep looking at the market. Editors move all the time. If you had a relationship with one person, you have to figure out where they went to see what your options are now. If you're a freelancer, there's a whole range of clients that you can work for and you don't have to just work for the big two. You can if you want to, but a lot of people do. So there's a lot of things from an independent side, creator own side, freelance side. There are a lot of different options that are available. And that's one of the things we help people kind of figure out, like, how do I look at the, the landscape the way it is now, look at what I want to do and create something that actually makes sense as opposed to doing what I, you know, the model that I read about when I was growing up or trying to do everything, whether or not everything actually makes sense for your book. So I think what we have come to the conclusion is that A, creating comics in the 21st century is not easy. There's a lot of different challenges, both from the opportunities and from you know the issues that still exist. We still have issues of censorship. We still have issues of, you know, tight distribution. We still have issues of costs and everything else. But compared to the way things were before, the challenges represent the opportunities that exist. Before, the opportunities simply didn't exist. So we are in a good place. But to make the most of that good place, you have to understand your book in relation to what it is this right now, which is what we're here to do. Andy, do you have yeah, anything to there, add to that? Yeah, there's just two quick things I'll add to that. Number number one, and I think a lot of creators, uh, a lot of people lose sight of this, um, especially after you've been doing it for a while and some of the sheen of it has kind of worn off. Uh, lose sight of it's still really fun and cool to be making comics like mm -hmm. that is really fun and and i i mean yes i write a lot of my own stuff but uh but i'm even as an editor like getting that final book in my hands that 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 thing that's actually real is is just it's still just so cool right mm -hmm. like i mean and 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 the, the, there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of love that goes into this for, for a lot and a lot of excitement, right? Mm -hmm. However, however you kind of want to talk about it. So that's something that like, it's easy to lose sight of that as you start just focusing in on all of, all of this other stuff. So uh, it is still fun to do. The work itself is fun, even if some of the things around the work uh, are challenging. The other thing that I think is worth pointing out is that you don't have to do this alone. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. there are things like comics connection community and comics experience. And, you know, there are other places and there are there are people that you can meet and you can talk to and and uh, you don't have to do this alone. And and sometimes like, you know, some of my very best friends are people that I have met through comics and through making comics. And, you know, that's a, that's an aspect that we don't wind up talking a lot about because we we talk about sort of the things that are really quantifiable mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but, you know, don't lose sight of the fact that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to, you know, lean on other people and get other people's expertise, um, and try as best you can that when you're making comics that you're enjoying, uh, that process and allowing yourself to, to enjoy it. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is 
comics often feels like an isolated process because you're now in a situation where not everybody's in New York and everybody's kind of in their own spaces. But North American comics, particularly, is usually a group effort. So you get to actually spend time, whether it's in person or otherwise, with a group of people that enjoy the thing that you are doing and the stories that you are telling and to the opportunities that, again, that did not exist in the past where you can actually make these connections with anyone, anywhere, as long as you you all are actually into that particular project and you all have something invested in that project. So even from a community standpoint, it's a better time to make comics now than it was, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s when you had to live in New York City when it was bankrupt and it was a horrible, dangerous place to live. So, I mean, how could that not be better? Um, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Comics Connection podcast. There's going to be links to, for you to join Comics Connection in the show notes and get your first month free. So you can actually check out all of the different types of things that we talk about there and the resources that are available. So until next time, thank you, Andy. I'm Gamal and have fun with your comments.